And I want you to really hear this right now. I want you to know that you can. I don't want anything in your life to hold you back. And I want to say that as I kind of jump in. That's such an amazing message. And you're going to be wowed and inspired by my guest today. Hey, guys, Michael here. And we are chatting with another passionate professional blind individual as I stand outside recording this introduction in the rain. Listen to the sound around me. Listen to what you hear. Now, if you're a blind listener of this podcast, you know how important sound is in life. But if you're sighted, you might be taking your ability to listen to your surroundings or the surroundings of those who you're connected with for granted. Drew said it best in today's interview, and that is, audio is like photos for the blind. You're going to love today's content, and don't forget to share it with your most active social media. Oh, and a couple more pieces of housekeeping things before we get into it. Remember, this is the last episode of 2016 for the Your Own Pay podcast. I'll be back on January 2nd, 2017. That's a Monday. And we'll be back to our 6 a.m. West Coast. That's 9 a.m. Eastern posting time, because according to the numbers, that's when you like to get the podcast episodes. If you want to get connected and learn what I'm doing behind the scenes, how I'm organizing stuff, and mainly just keep in contact with me, hit up yourownpay.com forward slash cast. Helping pave your way from your home to your own pay. Using motivation, inspiration, and education. It's today's edition of the Your Own Pay podcast. And before we begin, we want to hear from you. Reach out, hit us up, and follow Payone on Twitter. That's at Payone. Now, as promised, here's Michael Babcock with today's episode. Make some noise. I'm super excited. This is amazing right here. Your Own Pay Podcast starts now. Hey guys and welcome. As I said in the introduction, I'm joined by a guy who definitely resonates with me, Mr. Drew Weber, or as my PayPal showed him as Andrew, I'll, I'll be honest with you, took me forever to figure out who the hell I paid the other day. And then I realized who it was. Uh, Drew is a guy after my own heart. He loves audio, loves making the sound sound amazing. And I'll be honest with you, he started with Jaws just about when I did. I was 3.5, he was 3.2 if I remember right. So uh, coming from the general same area, Drew, I gave people a brief introduction. You're a man of audio. Can you go and introduce yourself in more detail and let people know who you are and why you do what you do? Michael, thanks so much, brother. It is a pleasure to be on the podcast this morning or whenever you are listening. And I tell you what, I am hailing right now from California slash Denver, kind of between places. And uh, it's definitely an interesting place to be. I do love audio, as Michael said. I uh, love music. I play music. Uh, I just released an album in May. If you want to check it out, it's on iTunes. And I play guitar, drums, bass, banjo, mandolin. So kind of doing my multi-track stuff solo and then, you know, putting it all together. Also, for me, audio production is a huge thing. I love radio. I've been at radio for a couple of years at a small market station, and I love doing the production. I love writing the commercials, writing the imaging, doing the voiceover, and as well, doing the production of everything. So audio really revolves, I guess that's what my world revolves around. So thanks so much for the uh, introduction, Michael. Your life revolves around audio, and, uh, it, and to be honest with you, 
as I said on Twitter on a couple of weeks now, when we got connected, you've got what I've heard referenced to from other people who've heard your voice as a sexy voice. So uh, definitely keep that keep that voice uh, going and keep the audio going. Drew, before we get further into it, can you, I, I want people to be able to connect with you if they resonate with you at all during this interview. And I'm tired of putting people's contact information at the end. So can you tell people before we get into it how they can get in contact with you if they want to? Michael, I'd love to, man. So get a hold of me on Twitter at Radio Drew One. It's I'll spell it for you: R A D I O D R E W One, and that's the number one. You can, of course, email me. I've got a few ways to do that, but the one I'll give you today is roosterloop at gmail.com, and I'll give you the spelling for that too: R O O S T E R, just like rooster. And then loop, L-O-O-P, at gmail.com. Those are the couple ways you guys can get a hold of me, follow me, and I hope you do, and thank you for it. Awesome, and definitely go follow Drew. He's got some amazing audio booms over there. We'll talk about audio boom in a few moments and, and how it's helping people. And those of you who are listening and expecting amazing audio, I apologize about the dog in the background, but that's real life for you, and, and we can't. Uh, for the most part, control that. Drew, why Rooster Loop? Well, you know, I feel like for me, it's just a cool nickname. It actually spawned in high school. I've always loved grunge music. And Alice in Chains has always been one of my favorite bands. And so they've, of course, got the song on the album Dirt called Rooster. And I was teaching a guitar student one, uh, one day. It was one of the jobs I've had in my career. And he was like, oh, Rooster Loop, Rooster Fruit Loop, or something like that. And so it just kind of stuck with me. And there spawned Rooster Loop. And I got to tell you an interesting story. On my Lyft account, I actually have that as my name. So it gives me an interesting conversation to talk <laughs> with as I jump into a Lyft. Do that, man. Don't put your name out. Put your username out. Always good convo to start things off on the drive. I like it. I, I, I didn't even think about that. I'll start putting at payown or just payown as my as my name for, for Lyft or Uber when Lyft or Uber is available in my area. Believe it or not, there are still areas where it's not available, and I've never taken one of those uh, uh, rideshare services, so I'm glad you like it. Absolutely, man. It's a good thing if you're able to do it and it's a, you know, a little bit quicker and timely in that situation than public transit, then go for it. And we all know how public transit can be at times. Uh, get to where you need to go, but not necessarily on time. <laughs> Drew, how has audio uh, in your life affected the direction you've gone? You know, it's a great question you ask, Michael. And I always ask myself this question. If I was sighted, where would I be? What career would I be in? What would I be doing? And I feel like I'd probably hopefully be doing the same thing that I'm doing right now, which is loving audio and loving life. And so audio has always played a huge part in who I am. I'll never forget getting my first little recorder when I was about three or four years old. My dad, who's been in sales the majority of his career and his life, had always had those micro tape, micro tape recorders. And so I wanted one. And that was the first recorder I got. And I remember taking it everywhere. And I remember then wishing that there was a small digital recorder and I used to carry my you know, big desktop computer down to the family room to do some recording off the TV. And then when like, you know, those digital recorders came out, like, for example, the Zoom H2 was the first one that I had. It just really revolutionized and changed the way I recorded audio. So, man, audio has always been a part of me. My brother is in the military, and I'll say it like this. People who are in the military are trained to look and are trained to watch all around them. And I feel like I've trained myself to listen all around me in the form that 
anything and everything I hear goes through a filter in my mind. Could I use this in production? And I think it's a really cool thing. Audio is, it's, it's one of those aspects that because we live in a primarily sighted world, I don't think is given as much credit as what it deserves. And maybe that's just me coming from a blind person's point of view, talking with an audio guy on the podcast, but I feel audio is, is under, under accomplished like people don't give it enough credit and man do you remember those days recording audio cassette tapes off of the radio because you wanted to get that song now you can just download it it's it's really crazy man i mean i remember when kind of napster before it was the legal napster was around and uh mp3s and i remember back in like 98 99 figuring out that i could fit over 100 songs onto a 700 megabyte cd at that time probably 650 megabyte and it was just like it was huge for me and so i had the idea in my mind like i wish there was a discman that would play mp3 encoded cds and then i found one and that changed my world too but yes tapes definitely i remember recording uh shoots and ladder from corn on the local rock station at about two in the morning and uh <laughs> man it was it was awesome and yeah good memories <laughs> Definitely. I remember calling the local radio station, referencing myself as Blindy in the local afternoon on your way home from work radio station. Uh, DJs always used to look forward to me calling, but little did they know I was just calling them so I could record myself on tape and play it for my high school friends. You know, I'll never forget the first probably and only time I really did that, but it was so cool. I called a country station and I requested Diamond Rio's stuff. And uh, the DJ was like, okay, how much do you love me to you know, have me play this song for you? And I was telling him all these things. And then and I was afterwards, I'm like, oh, Jesus, kind of a weird question to ask. But man, I, I still have that today. It's pretty cool. I wish I still had some of the old recordings that I had. But un- unfortunately, I don't. And well, I say that now, and I'll probably find something in a couple of years when I'm unpacking some boxes. Then I'll be like wait, how am I going to play this show to the kids? They don't even know what a tape is anymore. (laughs) You know, I remember I had this Walkman. It was a Sony, and it actually had a record feature on it. Not only would it record off the radio, but it had a stereo microphone jack, and it came with this little mic that you could clip on. And I remember that was, like, right between, like, the mini tape and the digital recorder. And I took that thing all around. Anyway, we went out, my brother and I, I've got a twin brother, like I mentioned, we went out to our friends. They live out in the country, and we were – don't try this at home. Blowing up CO2 cartridges in the bonfire. And I wish I still had that tape, man. I wish I do because that was something. So digital recording today, man, it's so easy to save it on a hard drive, throw it on a service like Audio Boom, like we'll talk about here in a little bit. Can you walk us through your creative process and what you do to produce something like what the audience heard when they started listening to this podcast and what they'll hear in the outro? You know, I'd love to, man. So for me... It all kind of started with internet radio. And if you're an internet radio broadcaster, a lot of times it's a one-man swap shop, if you will. I mean, you got to do everything yourself. you got to produce the show. you got to put the audio in as far as the music. And if you want audio production and you don't, you know, you don't know someone who uh, does it, who you can come to, you got to figure out how to do it on your own. And so I was doing internet radio several years ago, and I was like, man, I want this sound of terrestrial radio because, I mean, that's always kind of been my dream is like I want to be in terrestrial radio. And then, like I said, I have been for a couple of years, but I kind of had to start figuring out how to do these things and make things sound, if I could use the term badass, I mean, for me, because that's what I wanted. And so I started looking into, you know, where can I get some of these effects? And I mean, how does this even all work? And I've been a Goldwave user for, I mean, probably, honestly, now 20 to 25 years. And so I started doing all my product with Goldwave. And, you know, I was doing stuff that people were coming to me and being like, man, I, I don't 
how do you do this in gold web? I mean, it's a, it's a single track editor. And it was just like, well, I, it's what I've, it's what I've used and it's what I make things happen with. And so normally for me, whether I'm writing music, whether I'm writing production, I kind of sometimes, and a lot of times hear it in my head. So like literally I hear everything play out and then I go in and I produce it. A lot of times, like when I'm doing things for clients though, I mean, like if it's not a personal production thing, I do write the scripts first. And so that means opening up a word editor and writing down the copy that I'm going to voice. And then when I've got that done, I'll shoot it back to the client and say, Hey, you know, here's what I've got. You know, let's look at it. You know, if you want to change it by all means, make it yours. Cause that's what I want it to be. And then once that is finalized, I go ahead and I do the voiceovers. And so, you know, I do several, I do a bunch and then I go and I pick the best cuts from them because I want my clients to have the best of the best. And I'm the kind of person that like, I mean, I look at my stuff very, very critically and it's like, well, you know, is this good? Is it good enough? I mean, I want it to be the best every time. And so I get the voiceovers done. I go and I edit those up and then I go and I do the production around the voiceovers. And for me, and I kind of discovered this last night, I love building puzzles, I guess you could say. I mean, those are audio puzzles. Today, I use both Reaper and Goldwave combined a little bit. I use Goldwave for some of the fine editing still and even some of the effects uh, as far as compression, as dynamic compression and uh, high pass and things like that, which are some different technical terms. And then I do a lot of the production and the puzzle building, if you will, over in Reaper. And so it's a really nice transition between the two. I've got it set up to where I can just hit an item in Reaper and it will pop open and go away. I can do the editing I need and then I throw it back over into Reaper. And so, you know, when I get everything done, it's like, does it sound like I would want it to sound? And if it doesn't, man, I go back and I redo it because I, again, I want the client to have the best that they can have. That's kind of my workflow in a nutshell. If someone wanted to get some sound effects, like what they've heard in some of your work, both on Audio Boom and as I mentioned on the podcast, or you've you've voiced some other podcasts and some internet radio stations, what type of thing might they search for if they're interested in just getting some sound effects to play with? Go out to Google and search radio imaging effects or radio production effects, and you'll find a lot of great guys doing stuff. You know, the stuff costs a lot of money. <laughs> and the thing is, for me, is like, if you know a guy that does it well, definitely, you know, you know, figure out how to do it on your own too. But man, like bounce ideas off of me or come to me for work, because I can guarantee you that my pricing is cheaper than buying it and learning how to do it all yourself, which is cool. You know, I love doing it. And I also love hearing what other people do. So go out to the Google search radio production or imaging effects. And I will second that his pricing is well worth the investment. And I am a very satisfied customer. Feel free to use anything I say to you, Drew, as a testimonial, because I know that that can definitely impact sales. So, uh, you know, keep up the awesome work. Now, what is, we've mentioned it a couple of times, and how has Audio Boom affected the way that you get your message out? You know, man, it's an awesome question, and I'm glad we get to kind of promote them as well because, man, Audio Boom has played just a, such a huge part in my life. Audio Boom is an online service. If you think of like an Instagram where you post pics, Audio Boom is that for audio, and you're able to go and you're able to post 10 minutes of audio each post in a free environment. So it's audioboom.com. You can set up a profile, link it to your Facebook or your Twitter, 
And it's definitely an awesome thing. So I've been using Audio Boom for the last four or five years. And what I love about it is I have this whole collage of audios that I've posted that, you know, even I don't know where some of them are on my hard drive, but they're on my Audio Boom, which is audioboom.com slash radio drew one, just like my Twitter, if you will. And I've got right now almost 900 posts up there. Wow. And what, what I love is, is I love creating things and I love making things that people can enjoy. And I love making things that can resonate with people. So, you know, we're talking about this production and things that I've done. I put out freebies. I put out basically production that I've written, voiced, and produced without a station tag. So you, as an internet radio broadcaster, can go and make it your own. You can go and, you know, just drop your station tag, voice that. Or, you know, if I do voiceover work for you, you can drop in, you know, your drives into the tags. Sometimes around the holidays, there's one member of the family who gets a little butter. You all think Christmas just happens. You think all this goodwill just falls from the freaking sky. Well, it doesn't. It falls out of my holly jolly butt! Oh, we're trying to cheer that butt up. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night! From your Christmas station. So you guys can have some imaging to kind of put on your station before you pay me to do some stuff for you to see how it works out. And so, I mean, I do, I've got music up there that I've produced. I've got comedy up there. I do a lot of that. I've got production up there and it's just an awesome environment. And it's a cool thing because you can post from your computer, you can post from your mobile device, and you can even post from recordings that you've already made. So again, that's audioboom.com. I love the analogy you use there, referencing audio boom to Instagram. I never thought about it that way. And now I'm starting to use some of the Instagram train. Like I'm thinking of some of the Instagram training I've taken and tried to force myself down because images definitely are not my forte. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I should I should be leveraging audio boom a bit more. So thank you for that. That's a, a great reference. Didn't it used to be called audio boo? You know, it did. It used to be called audio boo. They kind of changed their branding a little bit. Now we're calling it audio boom. And I tell you, for me, Michael, as I feel it is for so many blind people, audio is as pictures are for me. And I do a lot of field recording. So I take different recorders and different mics out into the, into the world. And I just go and record just like somebody would take a DSLR camera out and do their shooting. And I get a lot of memories from that. I mean, you guys go ahead and uh, if you haven't been to Disneyland, check out my Disneyland website. I've got a recording 3D audio binaural recordings of like most of the rides. Dland.tuya.com. It's D-L-A-N-D dot the number 2-Y-A. Dot com as I'm bringing Disneyland to you in a binaural audio environment. So that's the type of stuff I love to do, man. And it, I really feel it is like photography. And for your guys' reference, we will link to that in the show notes so that you can just hit up the show notes and uh, get access to it. Drew, before we go on to it one more time, can you tell people how they can reach out to you on Twitter? Man, I'd love to. Reach out to me on Twitter at Radio Drew One, R-A-D-I-O. D-R-E-W-1. Go back to your experiences with terrestrial radio and find out some of the accessibility hurdles that, that you've had to jump through. And I'm sure they're, they're quite substantial and not so much because I've used, and this is my experience, I've used station playlists. That's, that's all I've done with it. What are some experiences and uh, some accessibility hurdles? And of course, how did you overcome those? You know, man, it's a great question. And I just want to say before I go into this that if you have a dream in your life, no matter what that dream is, whether you're sighted or you're blind, you can make that dream a reality for you. And I want you to really hear this right now. I want you to know that you can. I don't want anything in your life to hold you back. And I want to say that as I kind of jump in. Station Playlist is an incredible suite of software. You can find it at stationplaylist.com if you're a broadcaster. And generous people have used generous time to script it for both JAWS 
and window eyes and NVDA. And it's a complete broadcast software from the scheduling of the programming to the playout on air. But a lot of times that is used in the UK in regards to terrestrial radio. Uh, a lot of times here in the States, your station, the company that owns a cluster of stations will use one software. And I'll give you a few names of those. There is uh, Scott Studios, which is now uh, Google White Orbit. There is NextGen. Um, there is something called OTS. And there is something called Inco. And those are just to name a few. And so it's kind of interesting because, you know, you have like, in the office space, you got like Microsoft that kind of uh, takes over everything and everybody uses it. In in the radio world, there are several different uh, softwares. Inco is the station software that I used. And I tell you, with every software, man, there is accessibility issues, but you got to be an out-of-the-box thinker. And that's who Drew Weber is. And so what I did is I started to know that I was going to be going in and getting into terrestrial radio. I actually went out and found out the model number and the version number of uh, the Inco software that the station had. And I started doing some research because, man, they're starting to come up with cool stuff for iOS and Android for remotes. Instead of having a tech back in the studio all the time, you can do remotes from anywhere on location and you can actually, you know, remote into the software and do several things. And I found that Inco has the most diverse remote in software as it's actually not only mirror, not not just mirroring the screen of the software in the studio, but actually controlling every aspect of the Inco Live Assist Playout software. And I started looking at this. This is for the iPad, and I thought, my God, I could use this in a studio environment to make this accessible for me. Now, there's a couple of options, right? You could get scripts for whatever screen reader you use. But what happens when your screen reader crashes and you have to, for whatever reason, restart the on-air system? Well, it's a little bit different if you're on an iPad. If your iPad crashes, you don't lose, you don't crash your whole system. So I thought maybe this would be the way to go. So I started contacting Inco and I started making sure that things were accessible and I started testing and uh, you know what got really, really far into the process and unfortunately, the, the station that I was with, we just, you know, it didn't work out as far as me staying on with them. But, man, I was spearheading all of that and trying to make it happen. So I feel like, man, wherever you're at, look into some of these things, what they're doing with iOS and Android. Look into if there are already JAWS scripts or, you know, whatever screen reader you use. Most times there's not, but there's got to be a way, man that we as blind people can really take the radio industry by storm. I believe it. I know it. And one day it will be true. And there's absolutely no reason for it not to not to happen because technology, software, and and even hardware to an extent. I, I mean, I personally prefer to use hardware to software, but uh, you know, technology being the the only limitation because a blind person can use his ears and as it has already been stated here use audio like images for a sighted person and make an amazing sound so i really appreciate that drew drew shifting gears tiny bit here didn't you recently have something of the same experience with uh employment in a sales environment where things didn't natively look like they'd be accessible and or you tested things out prior to that you know yeah absolutely and you know, again, you've always got to be an outside-the-box thinker, man. You've always got to, especially as a blind person. You, you can't let anything hold you back, and I don't. And so, yeah, what I've learned through interviews, and over the last couple of months, I've had nine or ten interviews. I've got a, another interview on Friday, and it's just like right now my goal is getting you know a full-time employment. So um, 
what I learned I need to do is test the software that the companies use. So I asked the companies in a sales environment, what do you guys use for your CRM? And uh, I've learned that salesforce.com is very, very accessible. And if they use something different, man, I just say, okay, who develops the software? Or I go, I Google search it and I, you know, I contact the, uh, the vendors or the developers and I say, hey, I need to test. And they say, well, we don't normally let this happen. And I say, well, I need to test for accessibility. It's going to happen. Hey, when can I expect this email? When is it going to happen? And it, it has so far for me. So it's moving the mountains. It's making that world shake to make sure you can be a pioneer as a blind person. And you know what? For me, it's not just for me, man. When I was working with Inco, it was like, man, I'm going to be able to make this accessible for the blind people across the states and the countries so that they can go do radio. And that's what I told Inco. I said, man, look at the financial gain you guys can have because there's a little bit of extra hardware that's got to go into it. You know, look at what look at what you guys can do. So I was selling that to them to make this accessible for me so that in turn other blind people could make it happen for themselves. So that's the way I look at my life, man. You got to sell yourself. You got to make it happen. You got to go with full confidence. And no matter what that hurdle is, and there's new hurdles every day, you take them by storm and you make them your own. You just mentioned something that resonated with me. Yesterday, you posted on Audio Boom an audio message. It was like nine minutes and 30 seconds long, talking about, and I'm going to butcher your quote, but I'm going to say it the way that the, the guy I follow, my, my mentor, the guy who's taught me a lot of the stuff that I've, I've learned, says, and it'll resonate with you, and go ahead and, and chime in with the way that you said it. But Darren says, you are more valuable than you think. Do you know what I'm talking about there? You know, I do know the concept. I really do. And I feel like as blind people, and man, I'd love you to go out and check out this message on Audio Boom. We can link it in the show notes as well, because I feel like that this message has impacted a lot of people, which is which is awesome. That's what I wanted. I feel like as blind people, man, we are different, but that difference doesn't have to stand in the way, man. We can make things happen. We can conquer. We can move. And things can take shape for us just like they do for any other individual. And that's kind of what that whole post was in reference to. It's time for the top four with today's passionate, professional, blind individuals on the Your Own Pay podcast. Don't forget to share with your most active social media network if you enjoy today's chat. This podcast is made possible thanks to the blind way forward. Live your life. Do things you love and discover new experiences. BlindWayForward.com. With that said, let's get back to it. These are four questions that are going to conclude this interview and hopefully give people something to think about so they can take action. The first question, and you've kind of touched on this in the past, but let's get it into one question, one form. If I was interested in following my passion, what's one piece of advice you would give me? What I've learned is this you've got to have experience with whatever that passion is especially if it's a career type of option and do whatever you can do to make that happen i'm going to give you an example for me it's been audio it's been radio so you know what in the internet world i've went ahead and i i really feel like when people think of radio imaging in the, in the blindness world especially that a lot of times they think of drew weber and that's in 2009 what I wanted to have happen. And so I've set over the next X amount of years to make that a reality, to get some experience for a resume and then move that over in terrestrial radio. Have experience in what you want to do uh, and, and what your passions are driven behind. Uh, Drew, that is some amazing advice for people to take heed of. Drew, what 
And how have books impacted your life? You know, it's one thing we haven't touched on, but it's a very, very important topic, especially in the blindness community. Braille is so important to be literate. It helps you spell. It helps you kind of even sometimes even reason. So to me, books have had a huge part, I feel, of my creative mindset and helping me be creative. A lot of times when I do that, I do think in story form. They've also helped my job searching, if you will my professional side in reading different resources and knowing how to produce and knowing how to do this and that. So I feel like books are a huge part of my life, even if they stay in the in the back part, if you will, on social media. What is one online service or application that you probably couldn't live without? Man, that is a hard question. And there always seems to be a question on these interviews that kind of trips me up and stumps me up. I'd, I'd say for me, honestly, I'm just going to say it's Twitter because, I mean, Twitter for me to connects me with the world. If it weren't for Twitter, I wouldn't have got as much – definitely as much business as I've got. If it weren't for Twitter, I wouldn't see the news that I that I read on a daily basis. I wouldn't be able to communicate and have the friendships across the world that I do. So I feel like that's got to be my answer as far as an online. Twitter. Wow. That's the first time I've gotten that one. I appreciate that. And Twitter is a great tool or social media, however you want to look at it. So I uh, greatly appreciate that. I thought you were going to say Audio Boom, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, and it's a great tool, but it, I mean, it really, if it weren't for Twitter, Audio Boom wouldn't even impact the uh, audience that it does for me. So yeah, I think that's got to be it, Twitter. We were introduced to the iPhone 10 years ago, pretty soon 11 years ago. What The iPhone has revolutionized the way that, that a lot of us work and play and do uh, and follow our passions. So what is one thing about technology you're excited to see in the next 10 years? I'm excited to see in the next 10 years, one piece of technology. And that's got to be an iPhone application that is going to revolutionize how one does radio. I say this for multiple reasons. I feel like an iOS application an iPad, let's say, or an iPhone or an iPod connected to different hardware, I feel like that would bring accessibility, man, to the forefront for us and be able to do radio. And I feel like it's, it's, it's almost here. There's just a few things that we need. And I feel like in the next 10 years that we will have the iOS ecosystem helping us in whatever workplace we're in on more of a prevalent basis than we do right now. There we go. Brings a whole new meaning to working from your phone because in some instances, it'll just be a lot more accessible and easier to use from the phone. That is exciting. Drew, let's go ahead and give people one last time how they can contact us. Thank you for joining me. And uh, if you have any parting pieces of advice or words, feel free to throw them in here as well. Absolutely, Michael, man. Again, thank you so much for having me. It's definitely been a joy to be on the podcast today. You guys can reach out to me and I hope you do. I'd love to hear from you. Any questions you have, any comments, at Radio Drew One on Twitter. It's R-A-D-I-O-D-R-E-W-1. You can also email me, roosterloop at gmail.com. I'll give the spelling of that again. It's R-O-O-S-T-E-R, like rooster, L-O-O-P, at gmail.com. And man, I think if I would have one parting piece of advice, especially in this time of my life, it's this. And you can take it as something that's kind of funny, and I'll kind of expound on it. But man, get her done, all right? Make your life happen. Whatever it is, if it's a job, if it's a relationship, make it happen. You can do it. And I tell you what, we can change the picture of 
sometimes what the blindness community has seen as let's do it. Let's make 2017 an absolutely impactful year in a good way for us. It's been awesome. You guys have an excellent day and uh, make sure to hit up the website, your favorite podcatcher for the show notes. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.